Section five of Genji Monogotari by Murasaki Shikibu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section five. Yugeo, evening glory. It happened that when Genji was driving about in the Rokjio quarter, he was informed that his old nurse Daini was ill and had become a nun. Her residence was in Gojio. He wished to visit her and drove to the house. The main gate was closed, so that his carriage could not drive up. Therefore he sent in a servant to call out Koromitz, a son of the nurse. Meantime, while awaiting him, he looked round on the deserted terrace. He noticed close by a small and rather dilapidated dwelling, with a wooden fence round a newly made enclosure. The upper part, for eight or ten yards in length, was surrounded by a trellis-work, over which some white reed blinds, rude but new were thrown through these blinds the indistinct outline of some fair heads were faintly delineated and the owners were evidently peeping down the roadway from their retreat ah thought genji they can never be so tall as to look over the blind they must be standing on something within but whose residence is it what sort of people are they his equipage was strictly private and unostentatious there were of course no outriders hence he had no fear of being recognized by them and so he still watched the house the gate was also constructed of something like trellis work and stood half open revealing the loneliness of the interior the line where do we seek our home came first into his mind and he then thought that even this must be as comfortable as golden palaces to its inmates a long wooden rail covered with luxuriant creepers which fresh and green climbed over it in full vigour arrested his eye their white blossoms one after another disclosing their smiling lips in unconscious beauty genji began humming to himself ah stranger crossing there when his attendant informed him that these lovely white flowers were called yugeo evening glory adding and at the same time pointing to the flowers see the flowers only flourishing in that glorious state what beautiful flowers they are exclaimed genji go and beg a bunch the attendant thereupon entered the half-opened gate and asked for some of them on which a young girl dressed in a long tunic came out taking an old fan in her hand and saying let us put them on this those with strong stems plucked off a few stalks and laid them on the fan these were given to the attendant, who walked slowly back. Just as he came near to Genji, the gate of Koromitz's courtyard opened, and Koromitz himself appeared, who took the flowers from him and handed them to Genji, at the same moment saying, I am very sorry, I could not find the gate key, and that I made you wait so long in the public road, though there is no one hereabouts to stare at, or recognize you, I sincerely beg your pardon. The carriage was now driven in, and Genji alighted. The Ajari, elder brother of Koromitz, Mikawa no Kami, his brother-in-law, and the daughter of Daini, all assembled and greeted him. The nun also rose from her couch to welcome him. "'How pleased I am to see you,' she said. "'But you see, I have quite altered. I have become a nun. I have given up the world. I had no reluctance in doing this.' if i had any uneasiness it was on your account alone 
my health however is beginning to improve evidently the divine blessing on this sacrifice i was so sorry replied genji to hear you were ill and now still more so to find you have given up the world i hope that you may live to witness my success and prosperity it grieves me to think you were compelled to make such a change yet i believe this will secure your enjoyment of happiness hereafter it is said that when one leaves this world without a single regret one passes straight to paradise as he said these words his eyes became moistened now it is common for nurses to regard their foster children with blind affection whatever may be their faults thinking so to speak that what is crooked is straight so in genji's case who in Dany's eyes was next door to perfection this blindness was still more strongly apparent and she always regarded her office as his nurse as an honour and while genji was discoursing in the above manner a tear began to trickle from her eyes you know he continued at what an early age i was deprived of my dearest ties there were indeed several who looked after me but you were the one to whom i was most attached in due course after i grew up i ceased to see you regularly i could not visit you as often as i thought of you yet when i did not see you for a long time i often felt very lonely ah if there were no such things as partings in the world he then enjoined them earnestly to persevere in prayer for their mother's health and said good-bye at the moment of quitting the house he remembered that something was written on the fan that held the flowers it was already twilight and he asked koromitz to bring a taper that he might see to read it it seemed to him as if the fragrance of some fair hand that had used it still remained and on it were written the following couplets the crystal dew at evening's hour sleeps on the yugeo's beauteous flower will this please him whose glances bright gave to the flowers a dearer light with apparent carelessness without any indication to show who the writer was it bore however the marks of a certain excellence genji thought this is singular coming from whence it does and turning to koromitz he asked who lives in this house to your right ah exclaimed koromitz mentally as usual i see but replied with indifference truly i have been here some days but i have been so busy in attending my mother that i neither know nor have asked about the neighbours you may probably be surprised at my inquisitiveness said genji but i have reasons for asking this on account of this fan i request you to call on them and make inquiries what sort of people they are koromitz thereupon proceeded to the house and calling out a servant sought from him the information he wanted and he was told that this is the house of mr yomei no Ske. he is at present in the country his lady is still young her brothers are in the court service and often come here to see her the whole history of the family i am not acquainted with with this answer koromitz returned and repeated it to genji who thought ah the sending of this verse may be a trick of these conceited court fellows but he could not entirely free his mind from the idea of its having been sent especially to himself this was consistent with the characteristic vanity of his disposition he therefore took out a paper and disguising his handwriting lest it should be identified indicted the following were i the flower to see more near which once at dusky eve i saw 
it might have charms for me more dear and look more beauteous than before and this he sent to the house by his servant and set off on his way he saw a faint light through the chinks of the blinds of the house like the glimmer of the firefly it gave him as he passed a silent sort of longing the mansion in Roggio, to which he was proceeding this evening was a handsome building standing amidst fine woods of rare growth and beauty and all was of comfortable appearance its mistress was altogether in good circumstances and here genji spent the hours in full ease and comfort on his way home next morning he again passed the front of the house where grew the yugeo flowers and the recollection of flowers which he had received the previous evening made him anxious to ascertain who the people were who lived there after the lapse of some time koromitz came to pay him a visit excusing himself for not having come before on account of his mother's health being more unsatisfactory he said in obedience to your commands to make further inquiries i called on some people who know about my neighbours but could not get much information i was told however that there is a lady who has been living there since last may but who she is even the people in the house do not know sometimes i looked over the hedges between our gardens and saw the youthful figure of a lady and a maiden attending her in a style of dress which betrayed a good origin yesterday evening after sunset i saw the lady writing a letter her face was very calm in expression but full of thought and her attendant was often sobbing secretly as she waited on her these things i saw distinctly genji smiled he seemed more anxious than before to know something about them and koromitz continued hoping to get some fuller information i took an opportunity which presented itself of sending a communication to the house to this a speedy answer was returned written by a skilful hand i concluded from this and other circumstances that there was something worth seeing and knowing enclosed within those walls genji immediately exclaimed do do try again not to be able to find out is too provoking and he thought to himself if in lowly life which is often left unnoticed we find something attractive and fair as sama no kami said how delightful it will be and i think perhaps this may be such a one in the meantime his thoughts were occasionally reverting to cicada his nature was not perhaps so perverted as to think about persons of such condition and position in life as cicada but since he had heard the discussion about women and their several classifications he had somehow become speculative in his sentiments and ambitious of testing all those different varieties by his own experience while matters were in this state io no kami returned to the capital and came in haste to pay his respects to genji he was a swarthy repulsive-looking man bearing the traces of a long journey in his appearance and of advanced age still there was nothing unpleasant in his natural character and manners genji was about to converse with him freely but somehow or another an awkward feeling arose in his mind and threw a restraint upon his cordiality io is such an honest old man he reflected it is too bad to take advantage of him what sama no kami said is true that to strive to carry out wrong desires is man's evil failing her hard-heartedness to me is unpleasant but from the other side this deserves praise 
it was announced after this that Iyo no Kami would return to his province and take his wife with him, and that his daughter would be left behind to be soon married. This intelligence was far from pleasing to Genji, and he longed once more, only once more, to behold the lady of the scarf, and he concerted with Kimi how to arrange a plan for obtaining an interview. The lady, however, was quite deaf to such proposals, and the only concession she vouchsafed was that she occasionally received a letter and sometimes answered it. Autumn had now come. Genji was still thoughtful. Lady Aoi saw him but seldom, and was constantly disquieted by his protracted absence from her. There was, as we have before hinted, at Rogio, another person, whom he had won with great difficulty, and it would have been a little inconsistent if he became too easily tired of her. He indeed had not become cool towards her, but the violence of his passion had somewhat abated. The cause of this seems to have been that this lady was rather too zealous, or, we may say, jealous. Besides, her age exceeded that of Genji by some years. The following incident will illustrate the state of matters between them. One morning early, Genji was about to take his departure with sleepy eyes, listless and weary, from her mansion at Rokjio. A slight mist spread over the scene. A maiden attendant of the mistress opened the door for his departure and led him forth. The shrubbery of flowering trees struck refreshingly on the site, with interlacing branches in rich confusion, among which was some athageo in full blossom. Genji was tempted to dally and looked contemplatively over them. The same maiden still accompanied him. She wore a thin silk tunic of light green colours, showing off her graceful waist and figure, which it covered. Her appearance was attractive. Genji looked at her tenderly and led her to a seat in the garden and sat down by her side. Her countenance was modest and quiet. Her wavy hair was neatly and prettily arranged. Genji began humming in a low tone. The heart that roams from flower to flower would fain its wanderings not betray, yet Asageo, in morning's hour, impels my tender wish to stray. So saying, he gently took her hand. She, however, without appearing to understand his real meaning, answered thus, You stay not till the mist be o'er, but hurry to depart. Say can the flower you leave no more detain your changeful heart? At this juncture a youth attendant in Sasinuki entered the garden, brushing away the dewy mists from the flowers, and began to gather some bunches of asageo. The scene was one which we might desire to paint, so full of quiet beauty, and Genji rose from his seat and slowly passed homeward. In those days Genji was becoming more and more an object of popular admiration in society, and we might even attribute the eccentricity of some of his adventures to the favour he enjoyed, combined with his great personal attractions. Where beautiful flowers expend their blossoms, even the rugged mountaineer loves to rest under their shade, so wherever Genji showed himself people sought his notice. Now with regard to the fair one about whom Karamitz was making inquiries, after some still further investigations, he came to Genji and told him that there is someone who often visits there. Who he was, I could not at first find out, for he comes with the utmost privacy. I made up my mind to discover him, 
so one evening I concealed myself outside the house and waited. Presently, the sound of an approaching carriage was heard, and the inmates of the house began to peep out. The lady I mentioned before was also to be seen. I could not see her very plainly, but I can tell you so much she looked charming. The carriage itself was now seen approaching, and it apparently belonged to someone of rank. A little girl who was peeping out exclaimed, "'Ukon, look here, quick! Chujio is coming!' Then one older came forward, rubbing her hands and saying to the child, "'Don't be so foolish! Don't be excited!' How could they tell, I wondered, that the carriage was Chujio's? I stole forth cautiously and reconnoitred. Near the house there is a small stream over which a plank had been thrown by way of a bridge. The visitor was rapidly approaching this bridge when an amusing incident took place. The elder girl came out in haste to meet him and was passing the bridge, when the skirt of her dress caught in something, and she well nigh fell into the water. "'Confound that bridge! What a bad katsragi!' she cried, and suddenly turned pale. How amusing it was, you may imagine. The visitor was dressed in plain style. He was followed by his page, whom I recognised as belonging to Tono Tujo. "'I should like to see that same carriage,' interrupted Genji eagerly, as he thought to himself. "'That house may be the home of the very girl whom he, Tono Tujo, spoke about. Perhaps he has discovered her hiding-place.' "'I have also made an acquaintance,' Koromitz continued, "'with a certain person in this house.' and it was through this means that I made closer observations. The girl who nearly fell over the bridge is, no doubt, the lady's attendant, but they pretend to be all on an equality. Even when the little child said anything to betray them by its remarks, they immediately Koromitz laughed as he told this, adding, "'This was an amusing trick indeed.' "'Oh!' exclaimed Genji, "'I must have a look at them when I go to visit your mother. You must arrange this.' and with the words the picture of the evening glory rose pleasantly before his eyes. Now Koromitz not only was always prompt in attending to the wishes of Prince Genji, but also was by his own temperament fond of carrying on such intrigues. He tried every means to favour his designs and to ingratiate himself with the lady, and at last succeeded in bringing her and Genji together. The details of the plans by which all this was brought about are too long to be given here. Genji visited her often, but it was with the greatest caution and privacy. He never asked her when they met any particulars about her past life, nor did he reveal his own to her. He would not drive to her in his own carriage, and Koromitz often lent him his own horse to ride. He took no attendant with him except the one who had asked for the evening glory. He would not even call on the nurse, lest it might lead to discoveries. The lady was puzzled at his reticence. She would sometimes send her servant to ascertain, if possible, what road he took, and where he went. But somehow, by chance or design, he always became lost to her watchful eye. His dress also was of the most ordinary description, and his visits were always paid late in the evening. To her all this seemed like the mysteries of old legends. True, she conjectured from his demeanour and ways that he was a person of rank, but she never ascertained exactly who he was. 
she sometimes reproached Koromitz for bringing her into such strange circumstances, but he cunningly kept himself aloof from such taunts. Be this as it may, Genji still frequently visited her, though at the same time he was not unmindful that this kind of adventure was scarcely consistent with his position. The girl was simple and modest in nature, not certainly manoeuvring, neither was she stately or dignified in mien, but everything about her had a peculiar charm and interest, impossible to describe, and in the full charm of youth not altogether void of experience. But by what charm in her, thought Genji, am I so strongly affected? No matter, I am so. And thus his passion continued. Her residence was only temporary, and this Genji soon became aware of. If she leaves this place, thought he, and I lose sight of her, for when this may happen is uncertain, what shall I do? He at last decided to carry her off secretly to his own mansion in Nijio. True, if this became known, it would be an awkward business, but such are love affairs, always some dangers to be risked. He therefore fondly entreated her to accompany him to some place where they could be freer. Her answer, however, was that such a proposal on his part only alarmed her. Genji was amused at her girlish mode of expression, and earnestly said, "'Which of us is a fox? I don't know.' but anyhow be persuaded by me. And after repeated conversations of the same nature, she at last half consented. He had much doubt of the propriety of inducing her to take this step. Nevertheless, her final compliance flattered his vanity. He recollected very well the tokenats, pinks, which Tono Chijo spoke of, but never betrayed that he had any knowledge of that circumstance. It was on the evening of the 15th of August when they were together. The moonlight streamed through the crevices of the broken wall. To Genji, such a scene was novel and peculiar. The dawn at length began to break, and from the surrounding houses the voices of the farmers might be heard talking. One remarked, How cool it is! Another, There is not much hope for our crops this year. My carrying business, I do not expect to answer responded the first speaker but are our neighbours listening conversing in this way they proceeded to their work had the lady been one to whom surrounding appearances were important she might have felt disturbed but she was far from being so and seemed as if no outward circumstances could trouble her equanimity which appeared to him an admirable trait the noise of the threshing of the corn came indistinctly to their ears like distant thunder the beating of the bleacher's hammer was also heard faintly from afar off they were in the front of the house they opened the window and looked out on the lawn in the small garden before their eyes was a pretty bamboo grove their leaves wet with dew shone brilliantly even as bright as in the gardens of the palace the cricket sang cheerfully in the old walls as if it was at their very ears and the flight of wild geese in the air rustled overhead. Everything spoke of rural scenes and business, different from what Genji was in the habit of seeing and hearing around him. To him all these sights and sounds from their novelty and variety, combined with the affection he had for the girl beside him, had a delightful charm. She wore a light dress of clear purple, not very costly, 
her figure was slight and delicate the tones of her voice soft and insinuating if you were only a little more cultivated thought he but in any case he was determined to carry her off now is the time said he let us go together the place is not very far off why so soon she replied gently as her implied consent to his proposal was thus given without much thought he on his part became bolder he summoned her maid yukon and ordered the carriage to be got ready dawn now fairly broke the cocks had ceased to crow and the voice of an aged man was heard repeating his orisons probably during his fast his days will not be many thought genji what is he praying for and while so thinking the aged mortal muttered nam torai no doshi oh the divine guide of the future do listen to that prayer said genji turning to the girl it shows our life is not limited to this world and he hummed let us together bind our soul with vows that wubasok has given that when this world from sight shall roll unparted we shall wake in heaven and added by miroc let us bind ourselves in love for ever the girl doubtful of the future thus replied in a melancholy tone when in my present lonely lot i feel my past has not been free from sins which i remember not i dread more what to come may be in the meantime a passing cloud had suddenly covered the sky and made its face quite grey availing himself of this obscurity genji hurried her away and led her to the carriage where yukon also accompanied her they drove to an isolated mansion on the rogio embankment which was at no great distance and called out the steward who looked after it the grounds were in great solitude and over them lay a thick mist the curtains of the carriage were not drawn close so that the sleeves of their dresses were almost moistened i have never experienced this sort of trouble before said genji how painful are the sufferings of love oh worthy ancients tell me pray thus led away by love's keen smart i ne'er such morning's misty ray have felt before with beating heart have you ever the lady shyly averted her face and answered i like the wandering moon may roam who knows not if her mountain love be true or false without a home the mist below the clouds above the steward presently came out and the carriage was driven inside the gates and was brought close to the entrance while the rooms were hurriedly prepared for the reception they alighted from it just as the mist was clearing away this steward was in the habit of going to the mansion of sadaijin and was well acquainted with genji oh he exclaimed as they entered without proper attendance and approaching near to genji he said shall i call in some more servants genji replied at once and impressively i purposely chose a place where many people should not intrude don't trouble yourself and be discreet rice broth was served up for their breakfast but no regular meal had been prepared the sun was now high in the heavens genji got up and opened the window the gardens had been uncared for and had run wild the forest surrounding the mansion was dense and old and the shrubberies were ravaged and torn by the autumn gales and the bosom of the lake was hidden by rank weeds the main part of the house had been for a long time uninhabited except the servants quarter where there were only a few people living 
How fearful the place looks! But let no demon molest us, thought Genji, and endeavoured to direct the girl's attention by fond and caressing conversation. And now he began, little by little, to throw off the mask, and told her who he was, and then began humming, The flower that bloomed in evening's dew was the bright guide that led to you. She looked at him askance, replying, the dew that on the yugeo lay was a false guide and led astray thus a faint allusion was made to the circumstances which were the cause of their acquaintance and it became known that the verse and the fan had been sent by her attendant mistaking genji for her mistress's former lover in the course of a few hours the girl became more at her ease and later on in the afternoon koromitz came and presented some fruits the latter however stayed with them only a short time the mansion gradually became very quiet and the evening rapidly approached the inner room was somewhat dark and gloomy yugeo was nervous she was too nervous to remain there alone and genji therefore drew back the curtains to let the twilight in staying there with her here the lovers remained enjoying each other's sight and company yet the more the evening advanced the more timid and restless she became so he quickly closed the casement and she drew by degrees closer and closer to his side at these moments he also became distracted and thoughtful how the emperor would be asking after him and know not where he might be what would the lady the jealous lady in the neighbouring mansion think or say if she discovered their secret how painful it would be if her jealous rage should flash forth on him such were the reflections which made him melancholy and as his eyes fell upon the girl affectionately sitting beside him ignorant of all these matters he could not but feel a kind of pity for her night was now advancing and they unconsciously dropped off to sleep when suddenly over the pillow of genji hovered the figure of a lady of threatening aspect it said fiercely you faithless one wandering astray with such a strange girl and then the apparition tried to pull away the sleeping girl near him. Genji awoke much agitated. The lamp had burnt itself out. He drew his sword and placed it beside him, and called aloud for Yukon, and she came to him, also quite alarmed. "'Do call up the servants and procure a light,' said Genji. "'How can I go? Tis too dark,' she replied, shaking with fear. "'How childish!' he exclaimed, with a false laugh and clapped his hands to call a servant the sound echoed drearily through the empty rooms but no servant came at this moment he found the girl beside him was also strangely affected her brow was covered with great drops of cold perspiration and she appeared rapidly sinking into a state of unconsciousness ah she is often troubled with the nightmare said yukon and perhaps this disturbs her now but let us try and rouse her yes very likely said genji she was very much fatigued and since noon her eyes have often been riveted upwards like one suffering from some inward malady i will go myself and call the servants he continued clapping one's hands is useless besides it echoes fearfully do come here yukon for a little while and look after your mistress so pulling yukon near yugeo he advanced to the entrance of the saloon he saw all was dark in the adjoining chambers the wind was high and blew gustily round the mansion the few servants consisting of a son of the steward footman and page 
were all buried in profound slumber. Genji called to them loudly, and they awoke with a start. Come, said he, bring a light. Vele twang your bowstring and drive away the fiend. How can you sleep so soundly in such a place? But has Koromitz come? Sir, he came in the evening, but you had given no command, and so he went away, saying he would return in the morning, answered one. The one who gave this reply was an old knight, and he twanged his bowstrings vigorously, exclaiming, Hiojin, Hiojin, be careful of the fire, be careful of the fire, as he walked round the rooms. The thought of Genji instinctively reverted at this moment to the comfort of the palace. At this hour of the midnight, he thought, the careful knights are patrolling round its walls. How different it is here. He returned to the room he had left. It was still dark. He found Yugeo lying half dead and unconscious as before, and Yukon rendered helpless by fright. "'What is the matter? What does it mean? What foolish fear is this?' exclaimed Genji, greatly alarmed. "'Perhaps in lonely places like this the fox, for instance, might try to exercise his sorcery to alarm us, but I am here, there is no cause to fear.' and he pulled Yukon's sleeve as he spoke to arouse her. "'I was so alarmed,' she replied. "'But my lady must be more so. Pray attend to her.' "'Well,' said Genji, and bending over his beloved, shook her gently, but she neither spoke nor moved. She had apparently fainted, and he became seriously alarmed. At this juncture the lights were brought. Genji threw a mantle over his mistress, and then called to the man to bring the light to him. The servant remained standing at a distance, according to etiquette, and would not approach. "'Come near!' exclaimed Genji testily. "'Do act according to circumstances!' And taking the lamp from him, threw its light full on the face of the lady, and gazed upon it anxiously, when at this very moment he beheld the apparition of the same woman he had seen before, in his terrible dream, float before his eyes and vanish. "'Ah!' he cried. This is like the phantoms in old tales. What is the matter with the girl? His own fears were all forgotten in his anxiety on her account. He leaned over and called upon her, but in vain. She answered not, and her glance was fixed. What was to be done? There was no one whom he could consult. The exorcisms of a priest, he thought, might do some good, but there was no priest. He tried to compose himself with all the resolution he could summon, but his anguish was too strong for his nerves. He threw himself beside her, and embracing her passionately, cried, "'Come back! Come back to me, my darling! Do not let us suffer such dreadful events!' But she was gone. Her soul had passed gently away. The story of the mysterious power of the demon— who had threatened a certain courtier, possessed of considerable strength of mind, suddenly occurred to Genji, who thought self-possession was the only remedy in present circumstances, and, recovering his composure a little, said to Yukon, "'She cannot be dead! She shall not die yet!' and then called the servant and told him, "'Here is one who has been strangely frightened by a vision. Go to Koromitz and tell him to come at once.' and if his brother the priest is there, ask him to come also. Tell them cautiously, don't alarm their mother. The midnight passed, and the wind blew louder, rushing amongst the branches of the old pines, and making them moan more and more sadly. 
the cries of strange weird birds were heard probably the shrieks of the ill-omened screech-owl and the place seemed more and more remote from all human sympathy genji could only helplessly repeat how could i have chosen such a retreat while yukon quite dismayed cried pitifully at his side to him it seemed even that this girl might become ill might die the light of the lamp flickered and burnt dim each side of the wall seemed to his alarmed sight to present numberless openings one after another where the demon might rush in and the sound of mysterious footsteps seemed approaching along the deserted passages behind them ah were koromits but here was the only thought of genji but it would seem that koromits was far from home and the time genji had to wait for him seemed an age at last the crowing cocks announced the coming day and gave him new courage he said to himself i must now admit this to be a punishment for all my inconsiderateness however secretly we strive to conceal our faults eventually they are discovered first of all what might not my father think and then the general public and what a subject for scandal the story of my escapades will become koromitz now arrived and all at once the courage which genji had fought against calamity gave way and he burst into tears and then slowly spoke here a sad and singular event has happened i cannot explain to you why for such sudden affliction prayers i believe are the only resource for this reason i wished your brother to accompany you here he returned to his monastery only yesterday replied koromitz but tell me what has happened any unusual event to the girl she is dead returned genji in a broken voice dead without any apparent cause koromitz like the prince was but young if he had had greater experience he would have been more serviceable to genji indeed they both were equally perplexed to decide what were the best steps to be taken under the trying circumstances of the case at last koromitz said if the steward should learn this strange misfortune it might be awkward as to the man himself he might be relied on but his family who probably would not be so discreet might hear of the matter it would therefore be better to quit this place at once but where can we find a spot where there are fewer observers than here replied genji that is true suppose the old lodgings of the deceased no there are too many people there i think a mountain convent would be better because there they are accustomed to receive the dead within their walls so that matters can be more easily concealed and after a little reflection he continued there is a nun whom i know living in a mountain convent in higashiyama let us take the corpse there she was my father's nurse she is living there in strict seclusion that is the best plan i can think of this proposal was decided on and the carriage was summoned presuming that genji would not like to carry the dead body in his arms koromitz covered it with a mantle and lifted it into the carriage over the features of the dead maiden a charming calmness was still spread unlike what usually happens there being nothing repulsive her wavy hair fell outside the mantle and her small mouth still parted wore a faint smile the sight distressed both the eyes and heart of genji he fain would have followed the body but this koromitz would not permit 
do take my horse and ride back to Nijio at once he said and ordered the horse from him then taking yukon away in the same carriage with the dead he girding up his dress followed it on foot it was by no means a pleasant task for koromitz but he put up with it cheerfully genji sunk in apathy now rode back to Nijio. he was greatly fatigued and looked pale the people of the mansion noticed his sad and haggard appearance genji said nothing but hurried straight away to his own private apartment why did i not go with her he still vainly exclaimed what would she think of me were she to return to life and these thoughts affected him so deeply that he became ill his head ached his pulse beat high and his body burned with fever the sun rose high but he did not leave his couch his domestics were all perplexed rice gruel was served up to him but he would not touch it the news of his indisposition soon found its way out of the mansion and in no time a messenger arrived from the imperial palace to make inquiries his brother-in-law also came but genji only allowed tono chiujo to enter his room saying to him my aged nurse has been ill since last may and has been tonsured and received consecration it was perhaps from this sacrifice that at one time she became better but lately she has had a relapse and is again very bad i was advised to visit her moreover she was always most kind to me and if she had died without seeing me it would have pained her so i went to see her at this time a servant of her house who had been ill died suddenly being rendered unclean by this event i am passing the time privately besides since this morning i have become ill evidently the effects of cold by the by you must excuse me receiving you in this way well sir replied tono chiojo i will represent these circumstances to his majesty your absence last night has given much inquietude to the emperor he caused inquiries to be made for you everywhere and his humour was not very good and thereupon tono chiojo took his leave thinking as he went what sort of uncleanness can this really be i cannot put perfect faith in what he tells me little did tono chiojo imagine that the dead one was no other than his own long-lost tokonats pinks in the evening came koromitz from the mountain and was secretly introduced though all general visitors were kept excluded on the pretext of the uncleanness what has become of her cried genji passionately when he saw him is she really gone her end has come replied koromitz in a tone of sadness and we must not keep the dead too long to-morrow we will place her in the grave to-morrow is a good day i know a faithful old priest i have consulted with him how to arrange all and what has become of yukon asked genji how does she bear it that is indeed a question she was really deeply affected and she foolishly said i will die with my mistress she was actually going to throw herself headlong from the cliff but i warned i advised i consoled her and she became more pacified the state of her feelings may be easily conceived i am myself not less deeply wounded than she i do not even know what might become of myself why do you grieve so uselessly every uncertainty is the result of a certainty there is nothing in this world really to be lamented 
if you do not wish the public to know anything of this matter i coromitz will manage it i also am aware that everything is fated still i am deeply sorry to have brought this misfortune on this poor girl for my own inconsiderate rashness the only thing i have now to ask you is to keep these events in the dark do not mention them to any one nay not even to your mother even from the priests to whom it must necessarily be known i will conceal the reality replied coromitz do manage all this most skilfully why of course i shall manage it as secretly as possible cried coromitz and he was about to take his departure but genji stopped him i must see her once more said genji sorrowfully i will go with you to behold her before she is lost to my sight for ever and she insisted on accompanying him coromitz however did not at all approve of this project but his resistance gave way to the earnest desire of genji and he said if you think so much about it i cannot help it let us hasten then and return before the night be far advanced you shall have my horse to ride genji rose and dressed himself in the ordinary plain style he usually adopted for his private expeditions and started away with one confidential servant besides coromitz they crossed the river Kamo, the torches carried before them burning dimly they passed the gloomy cemetery of Torrebeno, and at last reached the convent it was a rude wooden building and adjoining was a small buddha hall through whose walls votive tapers mysteriously twinkled within nothing but the faint sound of a female's voice repeating prayers was to be heard outside and around the evening services in the surrounding temples were all finished and all nature was in silent repose in the direction of Kiyomids, alone some scattered lights studding the dark scene betrayed human habitations they entered genji's heart was beating fast with emotion he saw yukon reclining beside a screen with her back to the lamp he did not speak to her but proceeded straight to the body and gently drew aside the mantle which covered its face it still wore a look of tranquil calmness no change had yet attacked the features he took the cold hand in his own crying out as he did so do let me hear thy voice once more why have you left me thus bereaved but the silence of death was unbroken he then half sobbing began to talk with yukon and invited her to come to his mansion and help to console him but coromitz now admonished him to consider that time was passing quickly on this genji threw a long sad farewell glance at the face of the dead and rose to depart he was so feeble and powerless that he could not mount his horse without the help of coromitz the countenance of the dead girl floated ever before his sight with the look she wore when living and it seemed as if he were being led on by some mysterious influence the banks of the river kamo were reached when genji found himself too weak to support himself on horseback and so dismounted i am afraid he exclaimed i shall not be able to reach home coromitz was a little alarmed if i had only been firm he thought and had prevented this journey i should not have exposed him to such a trial he descended to the river and bathing his hands offered up a prayer to kwanon of kiyomitz and again assisted genji to mount who struggled to recover his energy and managed somehow to return to nijio 
praying in silence as he rode along the people of the mansion entertained grave apprehensions about him and not unnaturally seeing he had been unusually restless for some days and had become suddenly ill since the day before and they could never understand what urgency had called him out on that evening genji now lay down on his couch fatigued and exhausted and continued in the same state for some days when he became quite weak the emperor was greatly concerned as also was sadai jin numerous prayers were offered and exorcisms performed everywhere in his behalf all with the most careful zeal the public was afraid he was too beautiful to live long the only solace he had at this time was yukon he had sent for her and made her stay in his mansion and whenever he felt better he had her near him and conversed with her about her dead mistress in the meantime it might have been the result of his own energetic efforts to realize the ardent hopes of the emperor and his father-in-law that his condition became better after a heavy trial of some three weeks and towards the end of september he became convalescent he now felt as though he had been restored to the world to which he had formerly belonged he was however still thin and weak and for consolation still resorted to talk with yukon how strange he said to her as they were conversing together one fine autumn evening why did she not reveal to me all her past life if she had but known how deeply i loved her she might have been a little more frank with me ah no replied yukon she would not intentionally have concealed anything from you but it was i imagine more because she had no choice you at first conducted yourself in such a mysterious manner and she on her part regarded her acquaintance with you as something like a dream that was the cause of her reticence what a useless reticence it was exclaimed genji i was not so frank as perhaps i ought to have been but you may be sure that made no difference in my affection towards her only you must remember there is my father the emperor besides many others whose vigilant admonitions i am bound to respect that was the reason why i had to be careful nevertheless my love to your mistress was singularly deep too deep perhaps to last long do tell me now all you know about her i do not see any reason why you should conceal it i have carefully ordered the weekly requiem for the dead but tell me in whose behalf it is and what was her origin i have no intention of concealing anything from you why should i i only thought it would be blamable if one should reveal after death what another had thought best to reserve replied yukon her parents died when she was a mere girl her father was called sami chujo and loved her very dearly he was always aspiring to better his position and wore out his life in the struggle after his death she was left helpless and poor she was however by chance introduced to tono chujo when he was still shioshio and not chujo during three years they kept on very good terms and he was very kind to her but some wind or other attacks every fair flower and in the autumn of last year she received a fearful menace from the house of udaijin to whose daughter as you know tono chujo is married poor girl she was terrified at this she knew not what to do and hid herself with her nurse in an obscure part of the capital it was not a very agreeable place and she was about removing to a certain mountain hamlet but 
as its celestial direction was closed this year she was still hesitating and while matters were in this state you appeared on the scene to do her justice she had no thought of wandering from one to another but circumstances often make things appear as if we do so she was by nature extremely reserved so that she did not like to speak out her feelings to others but rather suffered in silence by herself this perhaps you also have noticed then it was so after all she was the tokonats of tono chujo thought genji and now it also transpired that all that koromitz had stated about tono chujo's visiting her at the yugeo house was a pure invention suggested by a slight acquaintance with the girl's previous history the chujo told me once said genji that she had a little one was there any such yes she had one in the spring of the year before last a girl a nice child replied yukon where is she now asked genji perhaps you will bring her to me some day i should like to have her with me as a memento of her mother i should not mind mentioning it to her father but if i did so i must reveal the whole sad story of her mother's fate and this would not be advisable at present however i do not see any harm if i were to bring her up as my daughter you might manage it somehow without my name being mentioned to any one concerned that would be a great happiness for the child exclaimed yukon delighted i do not much appreciate her being brought up where she is well i will do so only let us wait for some better chance for the present be discreet yes of course i cannot yet take any steps towards that object we must not unfurl our sails before the storm is completely over the foliage of the ground touched with autumnal tints was beginning to fade and the sounds of insects mushi were growing faint and both genji and yukon were absorbed by the sad charm of the scene as they meditated they heard doves cooing among the bamboo woods to genji it brought back the cries of that strange bird which cry he had heard on that fearful night in rokjiu and the subject recurring to his mind once more and he said to yukon how old was she nineteen and how came you to know her i was the daughter of her first nurse and a great favourite of her father's who brought me up with her and from that time i never left her when i come to think of those days i wonder how i can exist without her the poet says truly the deeper the love the more bitter the parting ah how gentle and retiring she was how much i loved her that retiring and gentle temperament said genji gives far greater beauty to women than all beside for to have no natural pliability makes women utterly worthless the sky by this time became covered and the wind blew chilly genji gazed intently on it and hummed when we regard the clouds above our souls are filled with fond desire to me the smoke of my dead love seems rising from the funeral pyre the distant sound of the bleacher's hammer reached their ears reminding him of the sound he had heard in the yugeo's house he bade good-night to yukon and retired to rest humming as he went in the long nights of august and september on the forty-ninth day after the death of yugeo he went to the hockey hall and the hiei mountain and there had a service for the dead performed with full ceremony and rich offerings the monk brother of koromitz took every pains in its performance 
the composition of requiem prayers was made by genji himself and revised by a professor of literature one of his intimate friends he expressed in it the melancholy sentiment about the death of one whom he had dearly loved and whom he had yielded to buddha but who she was was not stated among the offerings there was a dress he took it up in his hands and sorrowfully murmured with tears to-day the dress she wore i fold together when shall i bright elysium's far-off shore this robe of hers again untie and the thought that the soul of the deceased might be still wandering and unsettled to that very day but that now the time had come when her final destiny would be decided made him pray for her more fervently so closed the sad event of Ugeo. now genji was always thinking that he should wish to see his beloved in a dream the evening after his visit to the hockey hall he beheld her in his slumbers as he wished but at the same moment the terrible face of the woman that had been seen on that fearful evening in Rokjio again appeared before him hence he concluded that the same mysterious being who tenanted that dreary mansion had taken advantage of his fears and had destroyed his beloved Ugeo. a few words more about the house in which she had lived after her flight no communication had been sent to them even by yukon and they had no idea of where she had gone to the mistress of the house was a daughter of the nurse of Ugeo. she with her two sisters lived there yukon was a stranger to them and they imagined that her being so was the reason of her sending no intelligence to them true they had entertained some suspicions about the gay prince and pressed koromitz to confide the truth to them but the latter as he had done before kept himself skilfully aloof they then thought she might have been seduced and carried off by some gallant son of a local governor who feared his intrigue might be discovered by tono Chujo. during these days kokimi of kinokami's house still used to come occasionally to genji but for some time past the latter had not sent any letter to cicada when she heard of his illness she not unnaturally felt for him and also she had experienced a sort of disappointment in not seeing his writing for some time especially as the time of her departure for the country was approaching she therefore sent him a letter of inquiry with the following if long time passes slow away without a word from absent friend our fears no longer brook delay but must some kindly greeting send to this letter genji returned a kind answer and also the following this world to me did once appear like cicada's shell when cast away till words addressed by one so dear have taught my hopes a brighter day this was written with a trembling hand but still bearing nice traits and when it reached cicada and she saw that he had not yet forgotten past events and the scarf he had carried away she was partly amused and partly pleased it was about this time that the daughter of io no kami was engaged to a certain kurando shioshio and he was her frequent visitor genji heard of this and without any intention of rivalry sent her the following by kokimi like the green reed that grows on high by river's brink our love has been and still my wandering thoughts will fly back to that quickly passing scene she was a little flattered by it and gave kokimi a reply as follows the slender reed that feels the wind that faintly stirs its humble leaf feels that too late it breathes its mind and only wakes a useless grief 
Now the departure of Io no Kami was fixed for the beginning of October. Genji sent several parting presents to his wife, and in addition to these, some others consisting of beautiful combs, fans, noosa, and the scarf he had carried away, along with the following privately through Kukimi. I kept this pretty souvenir in hopes of meeting you again. I send it back with many a tear, since now, alas, such hope is vain. There were many other minute details which I shall pass over as uninteresting to the reader. Genji's official messenger returned, but her reply about the scarf was sent through Kokimi. When I behold the summer wings, cicada-like, I cast aside. Back to my heart fond memory springs, and on my eyes a rising tide. The day of the departure happened to be the commencement of the winter season. An October shower fell lightly, and the sky looked gloomy. Genji stood gazing upon it, and hummed, Sad and weary autumn hours, summer joys now passed away. Both departing, dark the hours, with a speeding, who can say? All these intrigues were safely kept in strict privacy, and to have boldly written all particulars concerning them is to me a matter of pain. So at first I intended to omit them, but had I done so, my history would have become like a fiction, and the censure I should expect would be that I had done so intentionally, because my hero was the son of the emperor. But, on the other hand, if I am accused of too much loquacity, I cannot help it. End of section 5